1: take the best of what we have and you bind them together and you bind them together in a way that's human that's not like another highway that's not just another exit off the highway but it's like you're allowing people and communities to engage and be able to invest in themselves
0: Appalachian meets world a podcast about place and perspective but always appalachian and don't forget, Will, tonight's episode is powered by SOAR. Shaping our Appalachian region. If you're an entrepreneur out there, especially in eastern Kentucky, check them out. Appalachian meets world. We're back. It's Will. And Neil. What up, my man? Hey, what's going on down there? <laughs> you say it like it, Like I'm so far away. I'm just chilling in my tree stand, waiting you know, trying to dispel some of your your beliefs about me. <laughs> you hear the birds yet? Is it turning spring? Uh, man, the last couple of days I've heard heard some chatter. Honestly, I mean, it's starting to starting to turn. It's a little early still. I think we probably got maybe one more cold spell that people were forgetting about, but had a little heat wave come through this week. So you know, in the corner. Yeah, baseball season's right right around the corner. I got to ask you, man, did you watch the Slam Dunk competition? I saw the highlights. Matt McClung, the Appalachian kid. I know. We got to get him on the show, bro. Did you see him representing Gate City? I've been following Mac for like several years now because dude's been jumping out of the gym since middle school. So, yeah, he, he represented the old Gate City well. Scott County, Virginia, right in the heart of Appalachia. Yep. Winning the dunk contest on the on the national stage, putting putting on a show for the world. You don't see that too, many, too often. I got to say. Small town I mean, Appalachia kid. I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, I know he's from Appalachia, and that's probably 90% of why we're talking about him. But he's got the whole world talking. And when's the last time you talked about the NBA dunk contest? Jordan and Dominique. <laughs> yeah, that you know, people listening to y'all don't even remember that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they barely. I mean, my kids say Jordan's the greatest. They never saw him play ever. They don't know. They don't know anything but YouTube clips. So, I mean, Max bringing it back. He's he bringing the dunk contest and making it relevant again. I just appreciate him wearing the. K city jersey city jersey for his dunk representing appalachia on the big stage i loved it the dunk contest is basically wwe wrestling they they really go far beyond the the marketing measures that they used to they all do a good job of that which you know i guess that's what we as viewers want to see nowadays so uh they captured our hearts with their throwback jerseys and whatever else they can bring out on the stage to 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 put on a spectacle almost like wrestling so you get you get my you get my drift there right (laughs) I get it (laughs) just entertainment what other kind of app news you got because I would say that is probably the biggest app news (laughs) that is right that's crazy yeah yeah that's pretty big I, I got a little bit of app news for you so I wanted to mention that the ARC put out the RFP for the power initiative. I think we mentioned that before, (laughs) right? (laughs) I'm sorry. The the ARC, Appalachian Regional Commission, as our listeners, maybe some of them know by now, put out the RFP for the power,
1: (laughs) which is another
0: acronym. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So the the RFP, (laughs) P-O-W-E-R. (laughs) So the RFP request for proposals. Power is partnerships for opportunity and workforce and economic revitalization. It's really for co-impacted communities for projects that they have. They put out $65 million this round. It's been around since 2015. Just wanted to mention that again because the deadline is coming up in... Uh, pre-application march 2nd but applications are due april 19th i'm sure we'll mention that again before then a uh, couple other app news that i have for you the Greenbrier valley theater they are putting together this first festival it's appalachian play voices of appalachia play festival so they asked for people to submit original plays from Appalachian Voices or people from Appalachia, and They have taken 15 local performers that submitted plays, and they're going to be performing them today and tomorrow. So if you're in the Greenbrier area, um, it's Voices of Appalachia, February 24th and 25th at 7.30 p.m. Nice. That's the Greenbrier Valley Theater. The other one I wanted to mention is in your neck of the woods. A new what they're calling the Appalachian Triangle of Kentucky was awarded $350,000 for a tourism campaign. So seven eastern Kentucky counties are wanting to combine their assets or really just combine their marketing to uh, market themselves as, as a region. And that would be, which makes total sense, that would be Clay County, Bell County, Laurel County. Whitley County Harlan County, Knox County, and Rockcastle County they were awarded three hundred fifty thousand dollars and really it's to work on a branding initiative or marketing initiative to draw tourists to uh the i seventy five highway eighty corridor there throughout the region, which is pretty cool for you guys yeah yeah that's uh that's awesome yeah that money is is for a branding initiative which In regards to tourism, in regards to economic development, you know, the person that we're having on the show tonight is exactly in line with that type of marketing, that type of branding. Um, You know, we talk about the Appalachian Trail all the time. Millions of people come to the Appalachian Trail and it connects those communities. Who we're having on tonight is connecting communities in North Alabama, Appalachia, Alabama. Yeah, he's making it a little bit more interesting, though. Will, I mean, he's uh, not just a, a trail that you and I can walk on, but he's making a he's making a path for possibly even my golf cart someday. Because <laughs> that might be the only way I get to see it all. But for bikes, man, I think what he's doing is really really cool. I can't wait to talk to him. Yeah, find out a little bit more about the green, about greenways, how important they are, about the process. Uh, obviously he's the expert to get him on here to talk about it, but I know originally in that area, they started talking about a 70 mile trail and now it's well over 200 miles of a connected trail. If you could do that with the seven counties there in Eastern Kentucky, you know, connect them all with the trail, talk about an economic impact for the region absolutely I may I may look into that myself that'd be a good idea but I I need some expert advice first because you know our guest is talking about a trail for bicycle and you may see some golf carts down there in that area but up here in this neck of the woods you know you know they'd be side-by-sides and four-wheelers but <laughs> side-by-sides for sure <laughs>
1: <laughs> so but anyway talking you know that's
0: We're talking about Dr. John Kavach with the Singing River Trail. So in eastern Kentucky, if you connected those seven counties, you'd have to come up with a name for your own trail. Yeah, and I think Dr. Kavach might be the guy to to maybe come up here and and give us some advice. So uh, I'm going to be all ears here in a second listening to uh, just how he went about getting getting his project going in in the right direction. Yes, sir. You want to get him on here? Absolutely. Let's do it. Today, we have a special guest, Dr. John Kavach. He's the Executive Director of the Singing River Trail, a nonprofit organization dedicated to developing and enhancing a 200-plus mile greenway in North Alabama. Prior to this, he spent 10 years as an Associate Professor of Southern History at the University of Alabama in Huntsville, having received his Ph.D. in History from the University of Tennessee, uh, we'll forgive him for that, but he also spent two years as the vice president of the Liberty Learning Foundation. So John, or Dr. Kavach, can we call you John?
1: You can call me John all day.
0: John, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate the time,
1: appreciate you being here. I appreciate you both, uh, and, I, and I'm and i looking forward to, to having a conversation.
0: A- as part of that, we always ask our guests, open it up with this question. Appalachians are big on history, big on tradition. Our family, Neil and I, we're big on tradition as well. One of the traditions we have, we have appetizers at the holidays. Okay. Usually, this gigantic spread of appetizers, bigger than the meal. So, we wanted to ask you, do you have a favorite appetizer or just holiday dish?
1: Oof. Uh, now, when you say holidays, you mean kind of like Christmas time holidays, or you mean just holiday holidays?
0: Holiday holiday anything. It can be tailgating. It, oh, any, all right. Days.
1: So, or if I had to choose, if I had to holidays,
0: choose, any any day that ends in Y. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, if you take out bourbon as an appetizer. Um, no, I wouldn't leave, leave that. that in. Okay, well then, no, I'll tell you this. In fact, I had a conversation about this yesterday. If you put a plate full of deviled eggs in front of me, there'll be no deviled eggs left for anyone else. <laughs> 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 if you want yeah. to drill down further, I'll even go a little further. My banana pudding has to be warm. All Ooh, right. Yeah, nice. And I, and I want my good bourbon neat. So if you want to expand upon this, you know, this theme of appetizers, just so we're clear, like in the hierarchy of needs, you know, that's kind of how I fall. <laughs> it's a, a deviled
0: egg with warm banana pudding and a side of neat bourbon. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Any any particular bourbon? That you uh, four
1: Roses, Single Barrel, uh, Angel's Envy, kind of in that that genre there.
0: You, you, you're uh, speaking to Neil's heart with deviled eggs. He's a big fan.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a personal favorite Might uh, as well. So it, we would we'd have a problem then if we didn't have enough eggs in the room because sure. yeah I'm one that's the hill I'm willing to die on is deviled eggs
0: <laughs> the warm banana pudding is something that our mother fixes as well and I, I always thought we were the weird family but it's good to know that uh, that you like it that way also yeah
1: see I knew I liked Neil well you you're here <laughs> yeah.
0: warm I'm all about warm. I I wanted to ask you, you know, I mentioned the 200 plus miles of the Singing River Trail. I know it was originally scheduled for 70 miles, three counties. Uh, Since you took over leadership, which I think you've been executive director for several years now. But since you took over leadership, it's grown to over 200 plus miles. Can you just tell our listeners, let our listeners know what the Singing River Trail is and how it really came to be?
1: Yeah, that's a well. First of all, I appreciate you both asking, and 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 I and for me, I took over um, as the executive director of the Singing River Trail in August of 2020. It was a 70-mile, uh, three-county greenway system. So, what I want you to think about is a Greenway system is a 10 to 12 foot wide bike pedestrian trail only. So you're talking about, it's a hiking trail, a running trail, a biking trail, e-bikes. So you're thinking about really a, a highway for humans with no vehicles on it. And so I took over in August of 2020 and you know the goal, the master plan is to build this trail system that would connect four major three major towns in in North Alabama. About three months in, I kept getting phone calls from from mayors and, and county commissioners and, and community leaders. And they're all saying well how come we're not part of the singing river trail and you know after about three months of this i decided since there's no greenway hit squads or greenway police uh that i'll just make a unilateral decision and i'm the only one that loses a paycheck if this fails and so i decided why don't we do eight counties and why don't we go all the way across north alabama so for a lot of your listeners if you're not familiar North Alabama kind of goes from the Tennessee Georgia line on the northeast side over to the Tennessee Mississippi line to the south to the northwest. So our trail runs from pretty much like between Chattanooga and the, and the Mississippi border, uh, but it's all North Alabama. And so, really, it came down to then is once I made this decision was I got to fund this decision. We're a nonprofit. basically, we had to do a hundred thousand uh, dollar master route plan in in the, the east side um and then we had to do a $200,000 master plan on the west side. So, you almost had to immediately raise another $300,000. And anyone that wants to know, well, who wants a greenway, who wants all these things, what I'd say is North Alabama does. We raised $300,000 in just about 50 days. And so for us, um I tell people we're not a charity, we're a nonprofit, we're a competitive nonprofit in a competitive marketplace. And so what we offer is is we offer workforce development through quality of life. We offer health and wellness. I think it's important to understand health and wellness means spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical. I think a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to get on my bike and just go ride. And And that's great, right? That's physical. But how many times have you been out in the middle of nowhere and you just get that feeling like the tingling is like, man, this is as good as it gets. No one's got it better than I do. And I I often tell that to me, that's the emotional, spiritual side of it. And then I think the the idea of economic development is one that a lot of people don't think about. But I probably spend about 60 percent of my days talking economic development for this reason. I'm going through eight counties in Alabama. We're about 49th in everything. All right. So I go eight counties wide and I go about 26 towns and I go from towns the size of Huntsville, uh, which is now the largest city in Alabama, largest city in Alabama, all the way down to a town of literally 53 people. Mooresville, Alabama is 53 people. And a lot of what they ask is help us become more um, in tune, impactful, and in touch with with entrepreneurial growth, with, with economic development, with maintaining who we are as authentic Alabamians that live in a small town, but how do we touch the 21st century and not lose our soul? And so for me, a lot of it comes down to helping these communities really identify who they are And maybe this is where my background as a historian comes into play, is I know the backgrounds of these towns. I know the background of Alabama, of Appalachia, of the South, and I understand the causes that we've had. So. A lot of this is like people always say, why would they hire a historian to build a trail? And my response would be, why wouldn't they? You know what I can do? I can effectively communicate. I can effectively write. I can critical think. I can learn how to be an engineer. It's not that hard. They make it sound like it's hard. It's not, <laughs> right? It's like all these things that you're like, th- why you can't do something. It's like, get past it, man. Come on, let's go. We got we, we don't have time for this. And I'd like to talk to you, I kind of broadcast this out to your listeners is, you know, in Appalachia, the natural resource part of this is every one of the states in in the Appalachian region has natural resources that have not never been tapped. I lived in south I lived in southern West Virginia, uh, in the Matewan uh, kind of the Matewan area in the Tug River Valley. It's funny is is the people who most put West Virginians down have never been to West Virginia. Same thing in Kentucky. You know, you go to green up Kentucky and you're going through Eastern Kentucky, you know, like, man, this is as pretty as it gets. Now imagine if you had this greenway system that connected all these things and people could start traveling and accessing things that, man, I've never seen, you know, mountain laurel um, in Kentucky. You know, like I've heard of the Hatfields and McCoys, but I, n- I never got a chance to actually do or interact with it. And that's what I'm hoping maybe we could do is like, hey, this is a North Alabama project, but it's really an Appalachian project, is that we want to make our part of Appalachia a better place.
0: You know, you mentioned the Hatfield-McCoys. There, there's the Rails-to-Trails, which have become popular yeah. over yep. the last decades. You have the Beltline in Atlanta. Yep. Uh, New York City has the High Line. You, yep. you have the CNO Canal Canal, Towpath in D.C., all of these in urban areas. You also have the, one of the oldest greenways, the Boston Emerald Necklace, you know, all greenways are different. How is, was how the SRT different in Alabama?
1: I think for us, and this is, that's a great question because I think what it is, is you talk, you know, listen, if I was a, an executive director of a greenway project in Oregon, California, Massachusetts, Maryland, I'm guessing this would be infinitely easier to do than in Alabama. <laughs> right. And so what I tell you is people here are so excited by the fact that they can take the best of, of their natural resources and assets and tie it to the best of like human, man made, you know, human made, the Mazatoyota plant in, 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 you know, Huntsville, the the, the solar farm in, in Lawrence County, which probably no one knows where these things are, but you take the best of what we have, you bind them together. And you bind them together in a way that's human, that's not like another highway, that's not just another exit off the highway, but it's like you're allowing people and communities to engage and be able to invest in themselves. So, to answer your question, is what would make us different? The Greenway itself wouldn't make us different. It's the people, the communities, and the, 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 Beauty of North Alabama that says, Hey, man, listen, you know, we just went to New England this past year as a family. And if you told me I could move to Burlington, Vermont, I wouldn't argue with you very hard. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. And a lot of what they have is like they've engaged their outdoors to a place where it's not hard. Right, the hard part about in many southern states is is that big corporations, you know, timber companies, uh, mining companies own half of everything. And if you're out ATVing, it's you're doing it illegally on some, you know, old coal road. It's like, man, open this stuff up, and people will show up because it's beautiful.
0: You know, I mentioned the Beltline. If you go to Atlanta now, Beltline's all paved. Yeah, uh, I, I know some greenways are unpaved, but yes. in, in the Beltline. You can see just where they have developed it all this economic opportunity has just popped up everywhere and it's incredible i just wonder why it's so hard in some areas is is it the cost i mean obviously there are benefits to greenways yes but some people some places just don't have them Uh, they've talked about it but what is difficult or what is challenging about Is, is it primarily does it come down to the cost uh, or are there other factors?
1: No, that and again, you're 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 hitting it right right on the spot. Is so here's the problem, right? So, AlDOT, Alabama Department of Transportation, they're built to make roads, right? But they're also built to have alternative transportation ways. You know, we call it active transportation. But, you know, when you're an engineer going through road school, right, they're going to teach you how to build a road. There's no school to teach you how to build a greenway. So ultimately, you know, what I'd say to your question is, is that part of it is that the state is catching up on funding. And a lot of states are beginning to catch up on this. The COVID crisis and the pandemic highlighted that we don't have enough outdoor space. We don't have enough parks. We don't have enough equal access to things that allow us to get outside. And so in a lot of communities... Those, those spots got overwhelmed because everyone wanted to go outside and, and that's something that's I think is key so part of it is is the funding and we're working on that um, that states are recognizing that they have to help build critical infrastructure We're a nonprofit. I'm raising every dollar not to just pay myself but also to build a trail um, and I'm kind of keen on getting paid I'm old-fashioned that way um, you know so I like to I like to keep it where we're competitive but we can't do it alone. And I think a lot of states are recognizing that. Number two is a lot of your DOTs are beginning to recognize that these things take cars off roads, right? And so like, we can all talk about EVs, but you're still having a car on the road. You're still in a backup. You're still waiting in a line. Imagine if I told you, that instead of getting in your EV or your gas car, you could get on your bike and you would have to not wait anywhere and you could drive right to work on a, on a safe trail and bam, you get there, you feel better, you're healthier, your health costs are lower because you're exercising, uh, you're happier because your your mental health is is better. And suddenly now it's like, man, look at all these things. Not to mention, I'll tell you this, if you and I got in a car, if the three of us got in a car and drove down a mile of highway, man, they would have there better be a compelling reason to stop the car like a brewery a winery, a, a distillery, a store, a cultural icon, it takes time and effort. If you build a brewery, if you build a, a, a museum that was directly connected to a mile of Greenway, I bet I can get you to stop a lot easier. I'll take my chances. I can get you to stop to have a beer at a brewery on a Greenway than if you were on a highway. And so imagine now that the threshold for, for entrepreneurial development is hey, you want to build a shuttle service to ferry people on bikes from A to B and take them to dinner when they camp out. That's a lot more human scale to start a business, a brick and mortar, than it is to say, "Hey, you're going to have to go out on I-65 and you know get every easement right away." And you know, no matter what you do, it's going to cost you six million dollars to do it. It just again, it goes back to human level, human scale, economic development, and investment back in the community.
0: You mentioned the partners and how it takes numerous partners to do something like this. If you're talking to another area that's trying to develop a greenway, you know, obviously you're working with a number of communities. Right. When you're talking about maintenance on the backside, say it's already developed, when you're talking about maintenance, are you working with those communities and they have to They have to maintain those trails as it goes. How how does it work in in that That, way?
1: Yeah. And so a lot of this right now, on top of kind of what we're trying to do in the future, in the present, I'm trying to think of the future. And part of that would be an SRT authority. So an authority that would be able to help our our community partners that maybe don't have the resources um, to go out and bush hog, you know, four times a year. They do. But I get those priorities. But I also would say the other side is, is high traffic areas. You want to have a a certain feel to this. Like you don't want it to be overgrown and, you know, there's broken bikes all over the place. So we would want to help the counties that wouldn't be able to maintain as well as some of the other counties. But on the flip side is we would also want to um, help create maybe a, even like the highest, the highest traffic areas would be the areas that we would tend to uh, kind of double down on them because they are the show pieces. And so it's kind of like the weakest and the strongest, the poorest and the richest would get the probably the most attention. But a lot of these communities are like, yeah, we can take care of our section and there has to be buying. That's the other part. Again, not being a charity, we're not doing this so you can like, you know, feel good about yourself. We're doing this because like Cortland, Alabama, Okay, 640 people. This is where the American dream went to go die um, for the last couple of decades. Half of it is probably the fault of the people that that have done business. They're probably not going to like to hear this. I don't man. Listen, you know, like they get it is that part of it's their fault and part of it's the fault of larger forces in this world. So when you lose an international paper uh, and they pull everyone out and there's no jobs left, that's not their fault. Right. But when you invest in things that that don't have sustainability, um, that, that don't have a future growth pattern, then that can be kind of hard to move forward. And I'll just give you an example of Cortland, Alabama. So Linda uh, Peebles is the mayor of Cortland. 640 people uh i was giving a talk at, at i'll just say a, a evening time event that uh may or may not have quenched some some thirsts and uh and some taste buds i don't want i don't want to put her out of there but she shows up out of nowhere at this bar and she goes i've been looking for you for the last you know three months and you're you're bringing singing a trail through Cortland, alabama and i said yes ma'am we are and she goes oh good i thought you weren't gonna i thought you were gonna say no And I said, no, and just the opposite. I think we can take Cortland, Alabama and make it a trail town where people can use us to Airbnb, to begin to have food trucks, to begin to have this, to begin to have that. So I'll give you a quick example. So Linda calls me one day and she goes, I want something downtown that makes people happy. Uh, Because I told her we'll pay for something that just makes us there right now. And she calls me and she goes, I know what I want. And I said, well, what do you want? She goes, I want a hopscotch course in downtown Cortland, historic Cortland. And that's what I want you to pay for. So I hired a public artist from three counties over. And I said to her name is Sonia Clemens. Everyone calls her art lady, Sonia. And I said, hey, I got some public art I want you to do in Cortland. And she's like, oh, I'm so excited. And I said, I want you to do a hopscotch course. And she's like, no, no, what now? So we created this hopscotch course. Then we went out to the International Society of Hopscotch, and we got it sanctioned as the only hopscotch course in in uh, Alabama. It's kind of tongue in cheek, and so then from there, hopping in Portland is our hashtag, right? And suddenly, guess what? Guess what people are doing? They're out there hopscotching. Hopscotch. <laughs> okay. Well, here's the funny part. Decatur, Alabama. Danielle Gibson, who's the head of tourism, calls and says, "Well, I want a hopscotch course in front of my building in tourism." And I said, well, Danielle, if we do, too, you know, Kentucky has the bourbon trail. Why can't SRT have the scotch trail? Right. So we're going to have some fun with with this hops and scotch. We're going to have something with hops beer and scotch and hopscotch. And suddenly now you get people excited going, man, you're not supposed to be doing this kind of thing. And I'd say, man, we can do whatever we want. That's the best part about this.
0: Very cool. Like playing, playing off assets or building your own assets in communities. So there's
1: something, there's something I've created for SRT and I call it phase zero. Phase zero is if I gave you $500 in elbow grease, your elbow grease, not mine. All right. Cause it's for your community, not mine. If I gave you $500 in phase zero money and your elbow grease, what can you do to make the world a better place?
0: We talked about these benefits, the the economic benefits, the health benefits, protecting the wildlife, the environmental benefits, but you also focus on I guess enhancing cultural awareness yeah. or the history. We 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 had a, a previous guest on one of our episodes who talked about Black life in Eastern Kentucky way back in the '40s during the coal boom. Well, a lot of those miners came from North Alabama. They they is. were they were miners in North Alabama that that moved moved up to work in the mines in Eastern Kentucky. That eventually traveled further north. But there's that history there. But you take it back even far, further to Native American heritage. What was the reasoning behind that? And how is that educational piece important to your project?
1: And, that's a, and again, that's a great question because the culture part of this is, is like, you know, I, when I was teaching at the university level, I'd always tell my students for their research papers, I'm going to ask you two questions when you tell me your topic. So what? And who cares? Because like, <laughs> if you want to do like, hey, I want to do a history of the canteen at the Battle of Gettysburg. Hey, man, well, that's great. So what? and if you can't answer so what and then my next question is who cares if you can't answer it then find a new topic so what i'd say is is like the great migration that you're talking about and that even that interaction between alabama and kentucky that people do not think about because those miners were actually working their way toward cleveland and detroit and you know all these midwestern cities is that for us the native american story was one that was very compelling the singing river trail the the name of it actually comes from a very interesting and and kind of a really neat oral tradition and that is there was a young native american woman who lived on the tennessee river and the tennessee means the river that sings. Um, and so she lived along the river that sang. And during the Trail of Tears and Indian removal, uh, she was removed to Oklahoma and the rivers there didn't sing. So she spent the next couple of years actually coming back to Tennessee. So she escaped from Oklahoma. She escaped from Oklahoma. I hope you don't have any Oklahoma re- uh, listeners. <laughs> she escaped from Oklahoma and she uh, made her way back to the river that sang. And so our our name is an homage to her, to the river that sang the singing river trail, Tennessee, the native American story, I think sometimes is so often reduced down to the trail of tears. It's so often reduced down to something that's easy, like a John Wayne film. And it's like, you know, these people lived every day, just like the three of us do and all your listeners did. And, you know, did you know that in 1500, there was a native American city that was actually larger than London, you know? So like this was, you know, all these things come into play and suddenly Instead of having this like kind of like noble savage, which I know is kind of cycling out of the Native American story or the Trail of Tears as the only story, what you're really getting is, is you're getting a a full rich history as we begin to build it out of how the Native American story is actually the human story. I mean, you could say the Trail of Tears right now, I'd say Ukraine today right? How many people now live in Moldova? How many people now live in places that they're they're not from because they had their own personal trail of tears? No one wants to be removed from their homes. And I think those are the ways that we can engage history, but make it relevant to today to see, I know we do this as a country pretty poorly, but like have empathy. I, I know we're all supposed to hate each other now, but like empathy is a pretty keen you know, feeling for a lot of people is, and so a lot of what I'm trying to show people is is that we can actually find the better angels of our nature, uh, which I hate to say because that means I'm bringing a Kentucky into this, uh, Abraham Lincoln, is that I'll, we'll claim for Indiana. He lived in Indiana longer. Born in Kentucky. <laughs> is, but like, I think for a lot of people, it's like, man, get back to where we were. Get back to like finding the better parts of who we are and get back to finding those those things like empathy and sharing and saying, man, I may not agree with you and I may not help you, but I'm not going to stand in your way. And I think a lot of that with a green way comes down to connectivity, mobility. It's like it's like it's almost like a proxy for American life. Right. We're not building walls. We're building trails.
0: I asked you to think about other areas that are building it but when you first started uh, for someone that's thinking about uh, you know greenways thinking about trails thinking about developing connecting their cities their communities it's one thing to think about it but it's another thing to 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 actually implement it according to numbers did you do, do any type of feasibility studies impact studies to see how that would affect the communities before the SRT got started and if so do you, do you mind to share some of those numbers?
1: Yeah, so we did a uh, one here. Wait, my <laughs> I didn't mean to do it quite like this, but this is what this is our master. I know you. This is sound, not video, but basically I'm showing you the Singing River Trail master plan. Um, is we did an economic develop, we did economic study, uh, we did forecasting, and we're actually still doing forecasting. That's one thing I think is important. Is let's do the forecasting of this. Is Does that so,
0: help the buy-in as well?
1: Yeah, for, especially for our legislators, they they want to know. Um, they want to know just how much. Like, what are we talking about here? So when we were at the 70 mile trail system, but that number, uh, once completed, we were showing about 19, I'm sorry, $17 million a year returned back to, you know, to the community in form of of sales tax um, and things like that. Revenues, you know, all the ways that you could generate revenue as a community. Now that we're 220 miles, uh, we, we've, we're using a firm out of Oregon called Alta Planning and Design, and right now they're kind of looking at that impact as it changed, as our route changed. And you're easily looking at um, you know doubling that number, uh, probably looking at close to 2000 jobs, um, short-term, long-term, midterm. Uh, people are building it, people are engineering it, people are designing it, and then people are gonna be working on it. And then eventually people are gonna have businesses on it. So you're looking at real numbers. Um, the other part that I would say too, is in terms of the, the economic impact is So last year, I decided that we were going to have a Shark Tank pitch competition called the Singing River Trail Launch Tank. Uh, So we raised $20,000 to give away to entrepreneurs who uh, wanted to start a business or build a business larger along the eight counties. That's the only stipulation. You had to be one of our eight counties, is that John Joseph, who's the head of E-Center here in North Alabama, and Tony Eberhardt, who's also a a person very affiliated with um, kind of entrepreneurial growth in North Alabama – the three of us put together an event that if we prayed that we had 50 people show up and 10 people apply for, uh, we were going to be happy. Well, we ended up having 243 people show up to the live event. We wow. had 40 we had 43 applications, and we gave twenty thousand dollars away to nine different people or businesses. And four of them are already on the ground. One of them uh, went on. It's a, a, a 18-year-old high school student who decided almost at the very end of her high school career that she didn't want to go to college. She wanted to be a baker. She wanted to open a bakery. So she pitched. She won. We were the first people outside of her family to believe in her enough to to you know to invest in the business. Well, guess what? She then went on. To apply for and win a a baking show con- competition with Amy Poehler, where eleven thousand people applied, uh, and the gingerhead baker um, who who was our person uh, went on and ended up in the semifinals. She ended up beating eleven thousand people to get on the show, and then went to the semifinals. So what I'd say is like we already made a difference. We're having the second one on March twentieth of 2023 is like we want to show the community like we're ready man no one's got time to talk anymore right like let's go and we want to show people that like we're not just taking but we're investing back in the community
0: I want to ask you about that entrepreneurship piece or or, or maybe the future of the SRT you know when you're talking about building these entrepreneurs along the trail you're essentially kind of forging an entrepreneurial ecosystem in a sense you know communities that that develop uh, these businesses, but when you're thinking about the future or uh, of the SRT of what more you can do, are you thinking about training for these businesses, uh, more funding, uh, building more in regards to the Greenway to enhance it to the south, even in Alabama, or what? What are your thoughts for the on the future?
1: Well, Will, I I would almost think you're stalking me at this point now because <laughs> you yes, asked another question that I haven't told anyone about, but we are talking right now to a per, uh, to a uh, local university about starting a, a rural accelerator that would highlight not just outdoor recreation and tourism, but also hospitality management, the kind of the idea of like how do we begin to build out a hostel system where young people could start traveling using the outdoors but not having to stay at a at $150 Hampton Inn, but you know a, a, a hostel. like you go to Europe, right? What we're looking at is how do we begin to help train outdoor recreation workers? How do we begin to train outdoor hospitality and build an outdoor economy? So, yeah, working with the state of Alabama. on And this is why I insist that we be a part of any conversation with workforce development, because here's what I tell you. You couldn't get me to move to Kentucky, okay, unless you got me to Kentucky. And I've been to places where I'd be like, oh my gosh, I could live I could live here right now. But if you said, oh man, you're moving to Kentucky. It's like, if I didn't know it, I wouldn't know what I'm, or Ohio or whatever. If I didn't know what it looked like, felt like, tasted like, and smelled like, like it's hard for me to imagine being there. Tourism is a big part of what gets these people to a spot. So when I say Alabama, Most people think Mississippi Burning, which I tell them, like, okay, first, that was Mississippi. Uh, Okay, not (laughs) us. That was us, too. Don't get me wrong. But, like, I think a lot of people have a problem with the last name, our last name. First name is Huntsville. Last name is Alabama. Is I think for a lot of people, it's like, ooh, Alabama. Well, you get them down here, and they're like, wow. I'll just tell you this. My backyard is a mountain, and I bet most people wouldn't think that. For a lot of people, they have a preconceived notion of what something looks like, and if we get them here and they're like, "Oh my gosh, honey, I could live here," that's how you start our workforce development.
0: We've had a pretty great episode on the Muscle Shows. Someone from Fame Studios uh, was on our was on our episode. We talked about all the history of, of uh, the music in the Muscle Shows, but. When we talk to people from there, they didn't necessarily identify as Appalachians. You know, you're talking about North Alabama. You have the mountains. Obviously, the mountain range runs through there. But uh, maybe you personally, John, do you recognize as an Appalachian? You know, we've had people on here from Central Appalachia, from Northern Appalachia, from Southern, the 13 states of Appalachia. But I I was just kind of curious, do people from North Alabama recognize as Appalachians?
1: So, okay. That's a great, that's another great question because yes and no on the east side of the trail is Jackson County, they're probably the ones that most recognize as being part of the Appalachian region. Cause it feels like it, right. It has the mountains. It has that kind of the hollers. It's got everything that you would, you know, if you went further North up and that's something I think that we're, we're lacking a little bit of in Alabama is that understanding that you're not just a Southerner. You're not just an Alabamian, but you belong to this thirteen count, the thirteen state region that has similar things. And so, for me, I lived in Appalachia in Western Maryland, West Virginia, Virginia, Tennessee, and Alabama. You know, if I go any further south, I'm going to become like Appalachia Mexico. Like I, <laughs> I'm running out of space to, to go down. Is that like I've lived in in six Appalachian states, and I think. The, the binder that I see from living in Maryland, West Virginia, Virginia, Tennessee, and Alabama is that in a positive way, there's a um, like an identity that no one else has that's kind of like, it's like wild, wonderful West Virginia, kind of like, you know, like we can make fun of each other, but you can't make fun of me if you're not from here. All right. And the other part that's not so positive having lived in all these states is there's also like a pissant quality to the Appalachian region. Which is like, hey, I want you to do this. Well, I ain't gonna do it because you just asked. Right. And it's <laughs> it's like, all right, all right, then I you know, I'll ask opposite. And I think and I'm not saying that I'm broad, I'm painting with a very broad brush now, but what I'd say is is that like the, the independent Appalachian mind is such a positive and can also be such a challenge because it's like, all right, come on, let's think about the future. Yeah, well that's not how I think about this, you know. And and I think for me. I want more people to see that they are Appalachian and that there's pride behind that. It's, it's not the, the, you know, it's not the Mountaineer that people make fun of it's the Mountaineer, the man that stood on top of a Ridge and said like, Hey, I could, I can do this. And that's the part that I hope we can, and maybe, yeah, that we can do this to
0: that point. What's the first thing that comes to your mind uh, when you hear that word Appalachia,
1: you know, it's kind of like the word Shenandoah. It's almost like it's so pretty like, it's almost like it makes you feel good because it's like Appalachia just has like a lyrical poetic sound to it, like Shenandoah. To me, the first thought or the first vision I get is just kind of funny, but I just kind of, I see a place that's just kind of like lush and green and full and bountiful. And it's it's not a specific place, but it's also a place that it's like authentic and real. And and so if you ask me like a specific spot, I would say, man, there's some... There's some mountaintop I'm sure I can you know figure out, but like when I lived in Matewan, and if you haven't lived in Matewan, y'all need to go do it for a day. Matewan is is an interesting place. They had a, a big uh, coal war there, um, and and it's just interesting um, because the people are this legacy of of you know the you know you go to Alabama. The first question people ask you is Auburn or Alabama. Uh, you move to West Virginia. The first, per- the first question people ask you is, "Are you a company person, or you know, are you for the working person?" And I listen, Sid Hatfield. Man, I, I'm, I'm behind you. Like I'm ready to, I'm, I'm, I'm all about the the people, the the worker, and less about the corporation. Um, but at the same time, you look at how life is there, and it's, it's, it, the image that that lush that I just told you about. Is that it's also the slag heaps, the the acid runoffs, the um, the overforesting, the you know knocking a top off of a mountain to get a coal that you used to be able to dig to get, and I. And that's the hard part, right? And that's the part that I'm hoping we can make a difference on is saying, okay, listen, business has to happen. I get it. I'm not a Pollyanna. I know you're gonna take that mountaintop off, but when you're done, instead of leaving, what if you planted it into a park, which you're supposed to do anyways, by the way, but, you know, things happen. Those are the kinds of things that I think we can improve upon as a region, as the Appalachia region.
0: We ground our podcast on place and perspective. Place is really important to us, but it's really important to Appalachia. Just where do you call home? What makes it home for you? What makes it unique?
1: Yeah, you know, I'd say this is I, I wasn't born in Alabama, but I got here as quickly as I could, I guess, is is that I'm a Marylander by, Marylander, Virginian, I guess, by by um, proclivity. But in heart and soul, we moved here in 2008. I have two boys and, um, and my wife, we, we made Huntsville, Alabama home. And, you know, I always think, well, if you die, we're going to be buried, right? Maybe that's the easiest way of answering your question. Well, if I die, you're going to bury me in Huntsville. Uh, you're going to bury me in Alabama. And I just think these people have been so kind and generous uh, with me and and my family that it just, you know, I love, Will and I have talked about this, is I love D.C., um, but I don't want to live in D.C., <laughs> right? Uh, you know, I, well, I don't need traffic. Um, I don't need all those things. So I think for me, home, if home is where the heart is, my heart's here in Alabama.
0: If you if you had 30 seconds to, to tell our listeners where uh, they could come for the weekend to, to check out the scene river trail what what kind of what kind of pitch would you give them for, oh. for 30 seconds
1: okay well so for 30 seconds what I'd say is remember we're still in design and engineering but we do have uh, you know we do have sections of the trail open What I'd say is if you go to Elkmont uh, Alabama, Um, you can take a a 12 mile ride on an old railroad bed that takes you through some of the prettiest spots you'll ever see uh, that aren't spectacular. We're not talking about mountaintops. We're just talking about Alabama, uh, yeah, yes, exactly. Old farms, all those things. And then in Huntsville, right by the space and rocket center, we actually have some trail built that goes right down to the Tennessee river. So you could almost do your rural urban camp out and have a five-star restaurant meal, all within the same day and that would probably be my selling point to you
0: since you are the executive director of the Singing River Trail um, are you open to a little Singing River Trail
1: trivia uh, as well <laughs> as some some uh, rapid fire questions i am in bring it on i'm not scared all right, all right. <laughs> i'm not scared i get a dog right
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so all these all these questions are signi- have significance in regards to the Singing River Trail but what is the home of the Alabama white barbecue sauce and who is, is thought of as the inventor of that
1: big, big Bob Gibson. There you go. Dig, dig, Decatur, dig. And where? Decatur, Alabama, right on the singing river trail. Right. Well, see close enough that you could have one. Yes. Nice.
0: Nice. Okay. The birthplace of Helen Keller,
1: Tuscumbia, Alabama, on Ivy, the- Ivy green. Yep.
0: Perfect. So you can you can check that out as you're oh, going on the Singing River Trail. Absolutely. So the U.S. Space and Rocket Center, you mentioned in Huntsville that you can travel on the Singing River Trail. People honor the first animal that's launched into space there Baker by putting a, a banana on the memorial. A so, Baker and Abel. Yeah, the names. Come on, <laughs> man. Animal. You're
1: going this harder.
0: <laughs> of the monkeys. that, that of the monkeys to,
1: that went into space.
0: Yeah. Yep. So Alabama is home to 300, the rivers there are home to 303 freshwater species of of fish, making it the most biological diverse in the world, uh, which is pretty incredible. But what is the longest river in Alabama?
1: The longest river in Alabama? Now, okay, so this is a hard one for me because I'd say Tennessee because we go all across North Alabama. And so what I will say is I'm going to stick to that answer because I don't know the, probably the correct answer, but we have a lot of rivers that go North South. And so if I, if I'm, I'm going to say the Tennessee river, but I'm going to give you a second choice that goes North and South. And I'm going to say the Tom Bigby river.
0: Well, you are correct on the Tennessee river, 625 okay. miles long. And it runs right directly through the singing river trail. That's okay. right. <laughs> so, um, you're 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 killing this. Oh man! Um, what
1: is a trash panda? A trash panda is a minor league baseball team in in Madison, and it's also a raccoon.
0: It, oh, it's a raccoon. Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah,
1: it's like that. You go like so. Our minor league baseball team in Madison, Alabama, which is on the Singing River Trail. In fact, their right field wall is the Singing River Trail. But we have a trail right behind that. it. Um, and they're called the trash pandas, and a trash panda is a a raccoon that gets into your trash can. <laughs> I got it. I was trying to figure that out. Uh,
0: so you got question, we, <laughs> question we ask everybody: cornbread or biscuits? Cornbread. Easy answer. Neil, Neil says both. He's oh, very political. Yeah,
1: sweet. I like corn. I like cornbread, sweet, oh which my I know. Is, oh my gosh. I know. Last me. Last for me. <laughs> I know. But remember, <laughs> I like I like banana pudding too. Like my sweet tooth or sweet teeth.
0: Well, <laughs> <laughs> but do you do you have a favorite food in Alabama?
1: Oh well, okay. Being a Maryland Alabama
0: food, yes, or, I like crab. Right, like you know told me, I can Alabama. have
1: Maryland Maryland blue crabs would be my favorite. On uh, every one my my birthday, I have them shipped from Maryland to Alabama. But my Alabama, probably my favorite Alabama food would be hard to say. It would be hard to go against barbecue, but with a caveat is like brisket. I tell you, this, if it comes from a pig, I'll eat it. Like, the <laughs> pig will always win, right? <laughs> and so it could be ribs, it could be barbecue, it could be, I don't care, it could be pork chops, it could be bacon. So, how about this? My favorite Alabama food is a pig.
0: Uh, all right. Do you have a favorite <laughs> Alabama barbecue spot? What, what's your favorite?
1: I would say my favorite Alabama barbecue spot would be Big Bob Gibson's in Decatur. That would be a hard one to beat. They've won a a lot of awards. In some places, you know how they're overrated because they've been there the longest. You know, everyone goes there because they've been there forever. This might be the one time where I'd say this is where hype meets reality. Now, I will say this, though. Okay, there's a a, a restaurant in Scottsboro called Payne's. They've been there since 1869. And it's not really a meet-and-three. It's kind of more of like a soda shop with really good food. There's some places in North Alabama that you know, you may not think about as like an ice cream shop or a soda shop as, as a place you'd want to stop, but their meals are excellent and it's old fashioned. So it's fun, you know, on Fridays, man, listen, we're having a hot fudge Sunday or we're having something. Right. So yeah, don't underestimate us. All
0: right. Last question. I know this is outside the Singing River Trail, but I'm just kind of curious. And as an Alabama, as a historian, and as an Alabamian, I just wanted, wanted to ask, so do you celebrate
1: Mardi Gras since it's coming up? Do you celebrate Mardi Gras? Well, you know, we, yes, we do so, we do so, celebrate it here in Huntsville, but you know, Mardi Gras started in Mobile. Well, so that's we what wanted I wanted to ask. It yes, we a, are the home, so Orleans, right? no, the home. It's not New Orleans, right? No, it's not. I'll tell you this, Mobile is a lot more family friendly. If any of your listeners want to go to Mardi Gras and not necessarily get arrested, <laughs> or maybe, I don't know, your listeners might be wild, right? Um, <laughs> is that um, the Mobile Mardi Gras is a lot tamer. It's still fun. But the thing that they're into is they chuck moon pies at you like, they're not going to run out. <laughs> now, I will say this, and this will be blasphemy as much as I said sweet cornbread. Moon pies are literally the most overrated thing to eat. <laughs> I don't care. Agreed. They're waxy. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, <laughs>
0: I wanted to give you an opportunity. You haven't mentioned it while we were talking. If our listeners, you got a pretty cool website. You can actually look at all the cities associated. There's a map. Um, on your website where can the listeners find the Singing River Trail to find out more information
1: oh I appreciate you allowing me to say this Uh, you can go to uh, www.singingrivertrail.org or .com we have both of them we're also on um, Facebook uh, Singing River Trail uh, and Instagram Singing River Trail and much to my chagrin but much to my dismay is our the people that we use for marketing told me that with my bad sense of humor and and other things that I need to get on TikTok. Uh, so we actually are on TikTok singing River Trail, which brings me a great nice. deal of embarrassment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a teenager on there, like trying to put my TikToks up. Uh, so yeah so Instagram Facebook and and uh TikTok are all singing river trail. Um I'm also on LinkedIn John Kavach that's K V as in Victor A C H and a lot of times I'll put stuff on there um just as myself but I talk mostly singing river trail. Hey and can I add one more thing? Yeah, absolutely. If there's anyone that's listening to this that wants to know more about just greenways, and and I'm not pitching anything, I'm not selling anything. You just want help to understand how to go, email me, uh, John at singingrivertrail.com. Um, I'm willing. I'm more than willing to help anyone that wants to to understand something more to help their community. I don't need anything. I don't want anything. Um, I just want to help. So that's that's an open offer. I hope I don't regret.
0: You know, as we've talked about this entire episode, greenways can be a significant and important uh, aspect to your community or to your communities, plural, um, to your region. So uh, Dr. Kavach, uh, John, we wanted to thank you for being on the show. Thank you for what you're doing in North Alabama. It's really important in regards to development, whether it be health, whether it, it be economic, but it's important what you're doing in regards to the Greenways of Air, to developing the community, to help build a more sustainable environment, sustainable region there in North Alabama. So thank you, and we appreciate you being on the show.
1: Well, guys, I really appreciate what you're doing. And it's been fun to listen to, to your episodes. So it's fun to get to know the other parts of Appalachia. So thank you for your service. Thank you. Go Cats, right? Shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow, Will. John has been busy. The idea of having uh, the Senior River Trail seemed... Fantastic to me, but I'm so glad to learn a whole lot more about it. Yeah, I think busy is an understatement. He, like I said in the beginning, and like we said throughout, you know, it it, he's developed this and he's kind of done what he, like he mentioned in the interview, what whatever he wanted to do to make this better for the region. So he's grown it to over. Two hundred plus miles. I think it's just really cool to see the eco- the potential economic impact this could have for their region. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, I'm in my back of my head. I'm trying to think of reasons to uh, go to North Alabama to check out the trail. No doubt. I mean, it's a draw. It's definitely a draw, as Greenways typically are. And we talked about why more areas don't have. You know, marketed greenways and cost is one of those, and and I know John talked about some other things that hold people back, but you know it's a no brainer for that area, and he's connecting a lot of these smaller, even small rural communities to some of the larger. You know, Huntsville's the largest city in Alabama, and it's connected some of those smaller cities to larger areas, uh, which is really cool in and of itself. But then he's talking about the entrepreneurial impact and how he wants to develop that ecosystem and develop that training for the entrepreneurs there to even boost the economy more. Yeah. I think John is uh, doing a fantastic job. Obviously he has a a passion and a lot of energy towards this. So I'm looking forward to, to seeing where this continues to grow. Will. Yeah, definitely. You know, we, we had national entrepreneurship week last week, but even on top of that, you know, The greenways he talked about being what he talked about. He talked about it being what health, spiritual, but also economic. Looking forward to see when this is complete, how it will transform the region. You know, a lot of these urban areas have been even transformed from their trails. This is, like I said, 200 plus miles that could transform smaller communities to help boost them in a sustainable way. I think that's the key word, sustainability. I'm looking forward to just seeing some of those food trucks along along <laughs> along the line. <laughs> Speaking of, do you have an app biz of the week for us, Neil?
1: Uh yeah, well,
0: I, I I did want to give uh a North Alabama business uh, a little shout out actually. The Gingerhead Bakery is is kind of the business that <clears throat> we wanted to highlight. You can you can look up this story about the gingerhead baker anywhere on, on the internet, but just to, you know, John even referenced it a little bit during our, our interview. What an awesome thing for a young person to, to accomplish, but the gingerhead baker is down in North Alabama. It's owned and operated by a young girl named Madison Houghton, who kind of started it just on a whim during COVID. In her parents' kitchen, she decided she had a a, a passion for baking and uh, just started decorating cakes, and it's just kind of blown up. She's been on featured on the second season of Baking It. Now she has a big presence there in, in North Alabama. It, it all started out of her, her parents' kitchen, so... Madison Houghton is the the master baker of Gingerbread Bakery. And if you're in that area, I would definitely suggest you check her out. That is Florence, Alabama. And where can you find yeah. it, Neil? Yeah, gingerheadbakery.com. Uh, they're in North Alabama, like Will said, in Florence. And, you know, any kind of baking good you can think of, Madison can make it, and uh, it does an exceptional job in uh, decorating cakes as well. So check her out. That's a really cool story, straight out of high school. And and I I know you mentioned the show Baking It. That's Amy Poehler's show on Peacock. I can't believe, you know, I think back to when I was graduating high school and, you know, uh, Madison went straight from graduating high school right into the business world and has really taken it by storm. So a really cool story and really unique thing that she's done there. Yeah, when we talked about that entrepreneurial ecosystem, I'm sure she had some help, but coming out of high school, it said, you know, she had an idea, but she also had a business plan. And just, you know, if you have that and you have the help, you know, all things are possible, even in smaller towns.
1: Got to have that talent
0: too, though, Will. Got to have that talent. Yeah. yeah, Definitely. (laughs) We want to thank John again for being on the show, uh, talking about the Singing River Trail. We really appreciate all he's doing. There in North Alabama for the region, but for Appalachia in general. Yeah, for sure. Thanks to John again for for coming on the show, and I'm looking forward to to getting out on the Singing River Trail myself. Are you ready to walk the 200 plus miles of the? You, you say walk, will? Come on, <laughs> man. Come on, man! You know, you know, you, you know. <laughs> going to take your side? You're going to take your side by side down there? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm like, take side by side, four wheeler, motorcycle, golf uh, cart. Yeah, golf cart. Yeah, you never know. All right, now I guess we can end this like we usually do. Till next time. Peace. I'm up in the mountains again. I'm getting lighter. The air's getting thin. Now I'm facing down with a grin. i the city too long. Sidewalks and buildings and singing sad songs. Now I'm back up where I belong in the mountains.